Welcome to the House of She podcast. We are Kat and Kate, and we are here to discuss all things womanhood, business, birth, spirituality, mindfulness, health and wellness, and personal journeys, and so much more. Our purpose behind starting this podcast is to connect with women, building a community to support and empower each other. We know you all have so much to offer, so we're hopeful to facilitate a platform where we can all grow and learn together, expanding the circle of women within this beautiful community. Welcome back to the House of She podcast. Today we have our friend Mel joining us. The topic she's sharing is quite a sensitive topic that is really personal to her. She's sharing her experience with postnatal depression. Mel had quite severe postnatal depression that required hospitalization. So she really delves into all the emotions, the timeline and what that looked like in her experience. I really think that any mother can find parallels and can definitely Mm. relate to Mel's story at some point along the motherhood journey, even if that's a moment, a day, a week, a month, or if it got to the extent that Mal's did. So I think this is a really important topic to talk about and discuss and to really normalize, take that stigma away so that it's it's an open conversation so we can all talk about our struggles and our vulnerabilities and really feel that we're not alone. Motherhood is hard. Obviously, it's very, um, it gives so much back, but it comes with its challenges as well. So I think also just normalizing that it's not all rainbows and butterflies as much as we love our kids. So we're really, really grateful for Mel coming on today and really just sharing, sharing the depths of her experience and being so vulnerable. Um, I would also like to say that if anyone is triggered by the conversation or if it brings anything up that we've added in some links to support networks and Panda is the postnatal depression and anxiety uh, support network. So definitely go on there and find some links and reach out mm. um, or talk to a friend or open up to anyone in your circle. Kat, was there anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, I think it's worth saying how we ended up having Mel on to talk to us about this journey. So initially, so we know Kurt, we know Mel through her brother, Kurt is my initial connection. Would it be the same for you? Yes. Yeah. yeah and then it's gone on to be other ways as well mm-hmm. but um Mel has five children all together you hear us talk about that but she most her youngest children are twins and so what sparked us to initially reach out to Mel is we're like oh let's have her on to talk about twin life and when Kate reached out to Mel Mel actually said yeah like I'm happy to talk about that but there's something else I feel way more drawn to actually share and that's my journey through post severe postnatal depression after the birth of my second child And we Mm -hmm. were like, holy, absolutely. If, you know, we accept that invitation, absolutely. We would love to have you on if you Mm -hmm. are comfortable and confident to do that. And she did. She really sat back and she mapped out that journey to herself. She spoke to her husband. She spoke to her mom, her sister before coming on to just make sure she was in her most comfortable self Mm -hmm. to join, uh, to share that story. And I just, yeah, I can't wait for you to listen to it. It's a really, really powerful episode that was just, I feel so lucky that we have Mel as our friend that was able Mm -hmm. to come on and articulate and share a journey like hers. So we will hand over to Mel to introduce herself and um, start going through today's episode. 
Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. What an honour. Um, so I'm Mel. I am thir nearly 38 and I am a mother of five. Yahoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> Take a pause there. It's pretty cool. It's wild, but it's beautiful. Um, so I have three boys. Um, Flynn is nine. Oliver um, is six. Levi is four. And I have nearly 10-month-old twins, Ella and Lucy. I'm from Mackay originally. Um, I was born here. And then when we finished school, um, moved away. Uh, had been away for probably 18 or so years. Um, oh, wow. Moved back in, yeah, moved back in 2018. Where did you move to? Um, well, I went, to, first I started in Townsville, did a year yeah. of uni there, um, started studying law and then changed and wanted to do social work and then went down to Brisbane. Mm -hmm. um, lived there for a mm -hmm. number of years um, and then went to Bundaberg. Mm -hmm. then the Sunshine Coast, oh. and then back to Mackay. Um, I'm married. Um, full circle. To, yeah, yeah, full circle. It was a very big full circle moment. Um, <laughs> Jared is my husband, who who you both know. Um, <laughs> he's a lovely man. We've been together for nearly 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, 20 years next year. So half my life I've been with him. Yeah, I was just doing the, I was doing the math. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to school together, um, but we didn't we didn't start going out until yeah we were in uni. It didn't impress together. you enough at high school, is what you're saying? Oh, if you told me I was going <laughs> to marry him in high school, I would have laughed and said he's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> he's still annoying, but yeah, no, we've yeah we've um yeah he's my best mate. Oh, you've told us your kids' ages. Why don't you mm. just start right at the top with? your first pregnancy and birth and we'll journey onward and outward from there. Does that sound good? Sounds good. So I, so with Flynn, I fell pregnant with Flynn four months after I was married. So I. Surprise, fell, Flynn? Uh, no, he was a very big surprise. It was at the time around Christmas parties. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, got married in August, found out I was pregnant in December. Wow. Um, and I had Flynn when I was nearly, yeah, nearly 29. Mm -hmm. um, it was a non-eventful pregnancy. It was fairly easy. I was induced with Flynn. Um, we, it was a three-day labour. And why um, were you induced with him? Um, he wasn't moving. Yeah, yeah. So and he and he was tachycardic, so his heart rate was doing all sorts of things. So they um decided mm -hmm. to induce him, um, and he came out, um, spent a week in special care nursery, um, so that was really hard at the time. Um, so I went home before Flynn went home. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So I used to have to. We were living in Brisbane at the time, so I used to have to come back and you know, try to establish feeding and so forth. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's, yeah, he was very tiny when he was born. Um, so, yeah, he, that was my first um, experience of becoming a mother. And so um, you would go home and like he would be there, like you would go home at night and come back in the morning. Is that what it looks yes. like when they're in special? Yeah. Care? Oh, yeah. wow. I can't so I had this. That. Yeah. So I had this picture in my head about, you know, what my first experience was going to be and it's, um, and what I learned through Flynn is that you have absolutely no control about your birth story. You can have mm -hmm. ideas about what, what you want, but it was completely different 
it was a completely different experience to what I was expecting yeah but then in hindsight I don't actually know what I was expecting but it yeah it was um it was really tough at the time um but yeah he came home and yeah he he thrived after that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um and then I Oliver I fell pregnant with Oliver when I was 30 um and he and I had him at at 31 um he was a very big baby I had him naturally at 41 weeks he was 4.2 kilograms he was he was all head um and he yeah he was a beautiful big baby um and I guess sort of leading into my postnatal um depression journey um Oliver is um my child um yeah who I experienced really severe postnatal depression with Mm -hmm. um and I don't know whether we go into that now or just talk about you know my other children and then come back to Oliver on whatever you whatever you would like yeah yeah so I can talk about all maybe I'll talk about Oliver's journey first and then yeah go on to the other kids afterwards um so yeah Oliver it was a very calm birth um with Oliver um he was a big big healthy baby um and I, I remember very distinctly um after sort of everyone had gone and visiting hours were over, you know, you're in the hospital bed and then you've got, you know, your baby beside you in their little, in their little sort of crib, um, you know, thing. And I, I just remember we were alone in the hospital room and I was looking at him and I just, I felt nothing. I I, I was looking at him. I'm like, no, this is, this is somebody else's baby. And I guess to be really honest, Mm. I, I was like, I've got to take care of this human, but I just, I, this little, this little person, this little human, but I just, I felt like he wasn't mine. And Mm. I, I didn't have that instant love for him. Like I did with my first, um, with Flynn. And to me, that was a real, I felt incredibly guilty about that. And to me, it was like, oh, you know, you're probably just really tired. Those, those feelings will, will come. Um, so I sort of just suppressed that and, put that to the side um Mm -hmm. you know and and went home didn't tell didn't tell anybody um how how I was feeling um I guess there was a lot of shame around those feelings and it was really really confusing at the time um so that's besides the birth that's my first memory just feeling just nothing like an, an emptiness yeah um so we went home and, you know, I put on this brave face. I had, you know, Flynn was, my eldest was two and a half at the time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Oliver was born. Um, so you're going, okay, this is my second one. How am I going to, how am I going to do this? How am I going to take care of What's two children when I'm, yeah, the juggle. Um, mm. And you look back on hindsight and there was a lot of anxiety before Oliver was born because I thought, how am I going to love two little people the Mm -hmm. same you know and and so you know in hindsight that anxiety was there and and it was developing and it sort of just started to sort of appear in feeling an emptiness once Oliver had arrived Mm -hmm. um so initially Oliver breastfed really well um however at three weeks I developed this gaping open wound on my right nipple Mm-hmm. Um, I've experienced that with all of my children, um, just the way of the the anatomy of it. Um, and so breastfeeding for me with all of my 
children has been incredibly difficult and I think it's really important to acknowledge that it doesn't always come naturally yeah for for women I remember being pregnant with Flynn and going to this breastfeeding class and they say the baby's born and then the baby you, you put the baby on your chest and they'll find your way down to the, your breast and it'll be this beautiful experience so that's what I thought it would yeah. be like Mm-hmm. and like I remember going oh this this expectation because that's what we're told yeah. um you know and that's what I was told in this particular education session um and I remember you know in those first three weeks it was hurting a little bit and you know I was seeing a lactation consultant at the time um and they were saying look he's feeding beautifully your, your body's probably just getting used to it um I now know that you know it's not meant to hurt but back yeah. then it was like, okay, I've just got to, it's hurting a yeah. little bit. but Keep on keeping on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what we did. Um, and then it was just this open wound. And I remember showing the lacta- lactation consultant, we were living in Bundaberg um, mm-hmm. when Oliver was born. Sorry, I should have said that earlier. Um, and she had said to me, that was the worst, that's the worst nipple wound she'd ever seen. You're gonna have to take him. You're gonna have yeah. You're gonna have to take him off the breast, um, and you've got to allow this to heal. It's infected. You need antibiotics. um, Oh my goodness! Need need to start this now. Um, Sounds brutal. It was. It was. Mm. And at that time, I just felt so resentful and angry at Oliver. Oliver for that wound. I Mm. took it as a sign of rejection. Like my body just wasn't enough for for him. Yeah. so what I would do is that I'd breastfeed off the left and I would pump off the right breast and oh that's God. just what I did. Um, you committed yourself he, to it. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, and the heel, the wound initial, the wound eventually healed. Um, it took a month. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they said, oh, look, you can put him back on the breast now, I just went, I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um because I couldn't mentally deal with the wound breaking down again. Mm-hmm. And I was so afraid I would fail at that. And I was afraid that I took it as a sign of rejection from Oliver. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I just, I can't do that. So I just, I just can't do that again. So I made mm-hmm. the decision to continue expressing um, and just feeding him through a bottle um, because I had enough milk to do it. Um, and at that time, I still had that insight, you know, for my mental health. I'm feeling like this. I knew that it, you know, it wasn't okay. And I needed to do something. So that was something you thought, oh, well, if I keep expressing, I'm doing it myself, like I'm looking after myself or something. Yeah. 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 Um, And I just felt like uh, this is a complete failure. I just, in my head, I was like, you, you, you failure. You can't, you can't even breastfeed him. Um, Even feeding him in the the bottle feeding with my breast milk, this, he was such a big boy. He put on 500 grams a week for probably the first 12 weeks of his life. So, you know, you look back in hindsight, you're like, my milk was amazing. You know, he's still thriving. You know, he was so healthy. The amount of time he must have spent pumping though would have been phenomenal. I used to wait, I used to fall asleep on the couch and wake up on the breast pump and have no idea how I got there. <laughs> you know, like it was, yeah. if, you know, that, that was, you know, that was for six months. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was that, that sort of, you know, then it sort of, it went from being, feeling nothing in the baby, you know, once he was born in the delivery room in the hospital to feeling anger and rejection and just, just despising him for the feeding. Um, and when he was nine weeks old, I went, okay, this is not okay. I, I need to see a psychologist. Like I, I spoke to the child health nurse and I went, this is not okay. 
I've got to go and see somebody. So I did. I saw a psychologist, um, told her exactly how I was feeling. You know, he was nine weeks at the time. I still did not love him. I felt no attachment to him. I just went through the motions of taking care of him. I knew what I needed to do and I did it, but it was with a feeling of emptiness and nothing. Yeah, procedural. Did Jared or anyone around you notice that in in day-to-day life? No. Yeah. I put on this wonderful front. Just yeah. mm-hmm. I was very good at convincing myself and others that I was okay mm-hmm. um, because of the, you know, the overarching theme for me was shame. Mm-hmm. Just this incredible sense of shame. At that point, did the psychologist, did that help? Did that give you any, well, any insight into what was happening or any tools to help? Obviously, it kept sort of snowballing from there, but... Mm-hmm. Did that sort of yeah. it wasn't a very good experience Caitlin to be honest mm. um I was told that I was experiencing anxiety as a new mother and 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 balancing two children and that that this feeling would pass and because mm. I was in such a a vulnerable state mm. at that point in time I took that advice as gospel yeah and I took that as okay well then you I'll know, keep on keeping on till it goes away on, yeah just keep on keeping on and that's what I did um and you know from nine weeks until Oliver was six months I'd wake up six months old I'd wake up at 3 a.m in the morning going okay Jared's got to go to work how am I going to do this and I was just so anxious it was just crippling and my mind went at a million miles an hour of all the possible things that could go wrong in the day um I was preempting you know catastrophizing you know, having all these unhealthy thoughts in, in, in my head, if I heard him cry, my whole, Oliver cry, my whole body would react. And it was mm. just this dread of fear. Um, and I just, yeah, kept, just kept on going. Um, and was Flynn yeah. at home with you all the time as well? Or was he in daycare? No, or- he, he was in daycare four days a week. And yeah. then yeah, four days a week and then we took it back to three days a week when Oliver was probably about three months old because I thought that if Flynn was home for another day, it would, even though I was incredibly anxious, it would just give me something else to focus on other than Oliver. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which which didn't help, but at that time... It was your, it was a buffer for you. It was, it was yeah. protection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kept on going like that for six months. And then when Oliver was six months old, everything just spiraled um, out of control. I was so angry at myself. I was angry at Oliver. I was angry at Flynn. I was angry that I hadn't lost all my baby weight. I felt worthless. I felt like a failure. I still felt so unattached to Oliver. You, you know, like it's six years on, I can, you know, honestly say that. And it's been taken me probably that long to be able to say, I just felt so unattached to him. Yeah. Like mm. every day just felt like a Groundhog Day. You know, mm. I went through the motions of like what was required to take care of Oliver and mm. Flynn, but it almost felt like an out-of-body experience. Like almost disassociated. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I was I had completely disassociated and I was I was becoming paranoid, like at my worst. I thought that my husband was having an affair because I just felt like a failure and so unlovable. Like yeah, at my worst, that's where, yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's how bad um, 
it got. I didn't want to take care of my children. Um, and in my mind, they were so better off without me. Yeah. I just wanted mm. to run away. And at my worst, I just, I wanted to die. I just didn't want to be here because for me, that just felt like the the best the best option for everybody that if I just wasn't here, yeah. And I just thought the world would be um, a better place without me. And in this time, was what was things like? Was was Jared then definitely noticing these the, that you were feeling this? Or again, were you still no. like you were still I was functioning, showing I up? Was, yeah, I was showing up. Um, it was just all these. It was all in your head. It was, it was really it was all in my uh, head, yeah. and it was exhausting. Like I was exhausted. But it's you know when you're anxious and and when and when you're so unwell and and I was at that mm-hmm. time um you're just in survival mode mm-hmm. and I was surviving but barely mm-hmm. <laughs> really just um and so I was having all of these thoughts and I remember really vividly one morning um Flinny he found a Nico and he drew on the wall <laughs> and he was so proud of his beautiful drawing he actually drew a picture of me and him and Oliver and I just lost it at him like my reaction mm-hmm. was so disproportionate to what had actually happened and and I yelled at him. I flipped out like it was, and I scared him. Um, and I was so triggered. I just went into fight mode. You know, when they talk about fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. I yeah. was just fight, like my, you know, my, you know, trauma trigger is. I just went into fight mode. Yeah. Um, and I'll just never forget the look in his little eyes. And oh. like it just, like it just still haunts me <laughs> to this day. You know, like, and it was him drawing with the nico on the wall it it it's out you know it's it's such a little event but it was such mm. an important thing that needed to happen because i just i just stopped in my tracks and i was like this is not okay and i apologized mm. immediately you know, i was sobbing we, you know i was holding him and we were both crying yeah. you know like he's three at this time like how confusing for him mm. um and I was like, okay, didn't ring Jared. <laughs> I rang the daycare and I spoke to the coordinator and I said, can I, like, I'm not okay. Can I bring Flinny into daycare today? And she was amazing. And I, I took him in and I was like, you know, that was, re- you know, I was really proud of myself. I'm like, okay, I've done that. I've been protective. You know, I can't let him see me like yeah. this. What am I going to, like, what am I going to do now? Um, so I rang the childcare health office, the nurses who I'd been involved with mm-hmm. Um and I told them what had happened, but in the back of my mind, I thought they're going to ring child safety and take him away from uh. me because I yelled at him. But when you're so unwell and so anxious, you, you, you just catastrophize everything. And that's yeah. just where um, my head was going at that time. Mm-hmm. I was having lots of cognitive distortions, you know, that like yeah. irrational thinking and just this Straight cycle to the of top level. Thoughts. Yeah, just, yeah, I just went, yeah, just worst case scenario. Mm. Um, and they were lovely um, and they they were so lovely and we sat down and we had a chat and they um, there's a postnatal depression questionnaire and I completed that and I scored like the highest score that you can get I scored. As um, in like um, to pass it or you've highest like found it possible? really unwell. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. really unwell. Really I'm like, did you check the test that. as well? Like I was like. No, oh. no, it was okay, the first yeah. time and she was like, you, she just held my hand and she goes, I need you to be honest. And I was like, okay. I can do this. I can be really oh. honest. I was sobbing as I was doing it, mm. and and I finished mm-hmm. the questionnaire, and 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 it was even before I got the score. And I was like, 
oh, I need professional help. And she just went, yeah, we, we need to um, have a plan. Um, and she's like, you know, does your husband know how you're feeling? And I went, no, nobody knows how my feeling, not even my closest friends know how I'm feeling. Mm. I had just bottled mm. it, it all up. Um, and it was quite freeing to finally tell, you know, somebody Someone. how yeah. I was feeling and, you know, just for her to say the most loving and protective thing that you did for Flynn was to take him to daycare. You should be really proud of yourself for mm. doing that. You know, mm. Oliver in the car, you know, he's been fed, he's, you know, he's had a sleep, he's healthy, he's thriving. And I just needed to hear those things because yeah. in the midst of feeling like a failure, you know, and, and being at your absolute worst, you were also acting protectively um, yeah. Yeah, as, yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I remember going home that night and I was just lying in bed and I was, for the whole afternoon, I was psyching myself up to, you know, talk to Jared about how I was feeling. I had told him that I was having a bad day and I'd taken Flynn to daycare. Um, and, and you had, um, but you had Oliver with you the whole time, even when you went to see the childcare support, the child yep, nurse yep, support. Yep, yeah. They, yep. Yep. Had Oliver with me the whole time. Um, and so we sat down with Jared and we were lying in bed and I just said, um, just told him how I was feeling. I just said, you know, like I asked him if it was the first, I asked him if he was having an affair <laughs> And he looked at me and he was just, just was he shocked? And he's like, I was just shocked, like offended. <laughs> I probably yeah. shouldn't have opened it with that, but that's just one <laughs> of that off idea. your chest first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I just said to him, I just remember sobbing and just went, I'm not okay. I'm I'm really sad. Um, you know, I I don't want to be here. I don't love Oliver. Um, yeah, I I need to do something because for me you know when when you're wanting to die like to me it was almost like mm. a meta like it was at a crisis it mm. was it was at a really big crisis point and I needed to do um something and I remember the first response as being shock um and saying but you seem like everything's fine you're a great mother and and at that point I didn't feel as though I was being heard mm. because that sometimes you know when when people tell us how we're feeling I think we instantly go, but you know, like you're a great mum, and yeah. you know, and and you seem like it's you're doing dismissive really well. in a way. Mm-hmm. It is, and you're like, it's, no, it comes from a nice place, but it can be really yeah. dismissive. Yeah, yeah. And I went, stop. You're not listening to me. Mm. I'm, I'm not okay, because how other people perceived you were coping, how I was coping, was just so far from the truth. I had just put on this incredible front. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I said, you know, you know, what are we, what am I going to do? Um, I have a wonderful friend um, and, and I was aware of through work and I, I said, you know, I need to talk to this particular friend. Um, and I sat down and told her how I was feeling and she herself had experienced um, postnatal depression. Um mm-hmm. And she's one of my bestest friends and I, I still couldn't tell her, but I remember sitting down and having a conversation with her about, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and did you know that and, she had had postnatal prior to that discussion? Yes. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I still couldn't, I wasn't ready to tell people how yeah. I was feeling because of the shame and and mm-hmm. to admit um, and you sorry, know, how bad it was. Just going back to when you went in to see the nurses and they did the questionnaire, mm-hmm. What was yeah. sort of the action plan before you left that day from them? Like what did they yeah. tell you to yeah. action? Yeah. So you had all the, you know, the mental health numbers, you know, like we have for the acute care team here in Mackay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like most 
you know, every town has, you know, that 24-hour mental health service. Um, you know, what's a safety plan? You know, guaranteeing my safety, um, talking about my protective factors. So, you know, what was willing me to, you know, you know, to still be here the next day. Yeah. Um, so I identified my protective factors and that I didn't want to feel like this, that I wanted to change, that I wanted to feel attachment to Oliver, that I wanted to love Oliver, that I wanted to do better, that I didn't want to yell. So I actually had quite a few protective factors. I just, because I hadn't spoken to anybody before about it, I hadn't identified them yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually quite freeing to actually tell somebody how I was, how I was feeling. Um, mm. And I knew about Belmont Private Hospital. Um, it's a Brisbane centre. It's a private hospital um, for postnatal disorders. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I knew that it was a wonderful hospital that provided really great treatment for mothers suffering from severe postnatal depression. Um, so I organised myself to be admitted mm -hmm. to the hospital. I organised the admission with support of the nurse and um, my GP. Um, so I went and saw the GP the next day after speaking with Jared as well. Um, mm -hmm. But there was a three-week waiting period to get into the hospital because Belmont, um, the postnatal disorders unit, they only have 10 beds mm -hmm. and people come from all of Queensland to go there. Mm -hmm. So I had to come up with a safety plan in that time. Um, my sister was living in Darwin at the time, um, so I decided to go and stay with her. I think I stayed with her for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, just Oliver and I went up and Jared and Flinny stayed at home. Um, and then, yeah, I was in three weeks after I organised the admission. Yeah, I went in. Mm -hmm. um, I stayed there for, oh, it would have been five weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was, everything with Oliver spiralled when he was six months. Um, but, yeah, in, in the time frame, like he was nearly nine months by the time I sort of got that. Yeah, I was admitted. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so I spiralled at six months and then, yeah, when he was about eight months, I had that event with Flynn where I just lost it and then yep. at nine months, yeah, so I, I yeah, became quite unwell then. So I developed a safety plan with, with my friends um, who I confided in. Um, if I was having a really bad day, I would go and stay at her house. Mm -hmm. um, they were wonderful. Um, came up with a plan with Jared Um yeah, so it was just once I knew I was going to go to Belmont and that everything, you know, I was moving forward, I, I felt like, yeah, it was it was really like I, I, I felt an instant weight had been lifted mm -hmm. immediately. Yeah, so, yeah, I went into hospital. Um, and the boys stayed in Bundy? Jared and no, Oliver boys? came with me. Yeah, so okay. when you go into the, um, the postnatal disorders unit, um, yeah, your baby... Um, comes with you and I remember seeing um, the psychiatrist you, you go in there and the psychiatrist sees you and it's a very you know it's a hospital it's a very clinical setting um, you know I work in hospitals so I didn't you know I, I knew I, I had an idea of what it would be like when I got there but it was so different to it was such a different experience um, you know they, they ask you some pretty hard-hitting questions very matter-of-fact questions and I felt really challenged um by them but it you know it was a good challenge mm -hmm. um so I received psychiatry um psychology individual and group therapy mm -hmm. um 
parenting courses as well. So the um, the Triple P Parenting and the Circle of Security program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started medication, um, which at the beginning I was so offended. <laughs> I didn't want to take medication because I thought that that would be seen as being a failure. Um, I'm still on medication to this day. You know, How like do you it, feel about being on the medication now? You, you Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 to me, um, medication has its place. Mm. Um, and because I was so unwell, um, I, I needed that, you know, I was, I was diagnosed with severe depression and mm-hmm. severe postnatal depression, um, and anxiety. And sometimes there is a chemical imbalance when we are feeling mm-hmm. depressed. Um, and I certainly needed, um, you know, to be on that medication. Um, I'm not on, I'm on a much lower dose these days. I call it my maintenance, <laughs> my yep. maintenance, maintenance dose. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, I just accept that that's something that I need to be on at this point in time in, in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes a huge um, difference to me. But in, you know, on top of the medication, you've got to, you've got to dig deep. Um, Yeah. So it's not just that solves it. No, it doesn't. Um, Because when you're on antidepressant medication, you, my experience um, is that I felt more depressed when I went on it and it it can take a good six weeks for it to reach a therapeutic level where you, where you feel um, it makes a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just my experience and I was told that that you know that that could be an expected time frame and I was almost textbook in terms of how long it took me to mm-hmm. you know to to notice um a difference um and part of being in you know when I was you know in the hospital you know they they teach you how to bond with your baby mm-hmm. you know to to for the first time in nine months or it was such a pivotal moment they had a music therapist there mm. And she sat down with the babies and she started playing a guitar. And I just remember Oliver's face just lit up and mm. he's, he started crawling that mm. day. So he hadn't crawled yet. And he crawled mm. over to this guitar and he started playing it. And I saw him for the first time. Mm. Like I actually, yeah, it still gets me to this day, but I, I saw him and he was just mm. beautiful and he was <sighs> happy and he, and he looked at me and it was just like, he like we clicked and I was like hey where have you been where have I been like it was, <laughs> it was probably that was probably uh three weeks into to the admission mm-hmm. um and I remember the nurses like everyone was just looking at me like it was just so you know everything to this point was just going through the motions like mm-hmm. every day was just groundhog day he would cry before I went to hospital and I would just be like oh god he's crying again I've got to go and what do you need, you know, and you're just feeling so resentful mm-hmm. to actually mm. seeing this beautiful, beautiful, mm. big, healthy, thriving baby. Um, the lights just came back on. Yeah, it, mm. it came back on. Um, and the mothers that I met in, in while I was in hospital, like I didn't, I think as, you know, through life we have, we have different connections with different people, some are long-lasting, some are seasonal, you know, um, and this group of women, like we stayed up sometimes and we were just laughing and laughing and laughing. We were at our absolute worst, but you, you were with women who were complete strangers, but knew exactly what you were going through. Yeah. And it was really, um, it was really powerful to, to hear about 
to hear about their stories. They were all so very, very different, but we were bonded. We were really bonded, like forever bonded through yeah. that that experience. Um, and you just met some remarkable people going, you know, how strong are they to be doing what we're doing and, and being here? And I'm like, no, but I'm one of those women, like I'm strong, mm. like I'm mm. here. And, you know, like we're, we were all so committed to make change yeah. um, and understanding where, you know, for me it was working through trauma. Um, it was working through, you know, um, childhood experiences and relationships and, and, and how we express emotions. And I learned a lot about myself that I think that I had suppressed throughout my whole life until this point, until mm. I was 31. Um, and that was really confronting and scary. So when I was saying the psychiatrist was asking a series of questions and they were really challenging and they were almost offensive at that point in time. Yeah. But they were really needed. Like I understand the questions questions now. Um, and, you know, you're able to, I was able to, you know, heal somewhat. I think that, you know, it's a journey that I'll continue to heal on. Um, but it was such an important part of my life. Like I'm just forever grateful mm. that Oliver was born because I don't know. Yeah, he was just, he was meant to be here. Mm. because he is just he is just I thought that I had just excuse my French but just fucked him up like I just thought I this poor kid just would have no hope and he Mm. is the most beautiful gentle kind and generous little soul like he Mm. it's like he's been here for a thousand years before he he's amazing like he's he's so in tune to his feelings and we have the most beautiful relationship and we are so bonded now. Um, and I've learned so much from him. Mm. And I think one day I'll tell him about our story because it's a different love story. Yeah. Mm. He was such it's, a catalyst in your life to deep dive yeah. into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and he's such a special dude. And I remember when we were preparing for this podcast, I sent you that photo of him. Yes. Holding I was the yes. photo. So where does that photo uh, fit in the timeline? So probably a month before um, he, before we went to hospital, um, it was Flinny's birthday and we had come back from the, the birthday celebration and Oliver's in the bumbo and he's holding a balloon from the party mm. And he's just sitting on the bench and the lights behind him. And he's just, it's just pure joy. Mm. You know, it's just pure, pure joy. Mm. And whenever I, you know, I used to feel so guilty about our journey for many years after we were in hospital. And I often look at that photo to remind myself that he was okay. Mm -hmm. You know, he was happy. Um, Yeah, he's okay. And I, I, I let go of the need to be a perfect mother um, because I don't think that there's any such thing. And I oh, think that yeah. I had so much pressure on myself to, I had this idea of what being a perfect mother would be, that it was mm. almost like a catalyst to sort of developing that postnatal depression to the severity that it did because I didn't want to repeat cycles that I had experienced as well. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of pressure. I had put a lot of pressure on myself, but I needed to heal from Mm -hmm. a lot of life experiences. um, And that's what being admitted to hospital helped me to start my journey to do. Wow, Mel. So (laughs) it's a story, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, 
it's a beautiful story though just to 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 hear about the such severity of the lows and then just to Mm. just to see that you all of those little steps that you took that were a part of that process to getting help Um, and I guess it all just started with you just I mean, I mean, you flipped out at Flynn for writing on the walls, oh, but that was just flipped. such a big thing for you to even just have that realization of, yeah, I need yeah. help now. Like this, yeah. this has gone too far. Um, yeah. And then I guess just talking to those ladies that day was sort of got the ball rolling. And once you'd got it yeah. out there into the world, you just knew. It was, it was that you so need- liberating. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, just to like open and let it out of your brain. It was like all just... Mm turmoil in there and you were suffering in so much silence yeah and then just to break that silence even the fact that they were strangers was probably the perfect like I don't know what the perfect scenario is I guess you can open Mm. up to anyone but for you you just needed that they were the ones that were there that day that you just opened up to I needed to let somebody know who sometimes we seek solace in talking to the people close to us and in any other time in my life I'm very fortunate to have just a wonderful network of beautiful friends and women that you know I feel so privileged to have but at that point in time I couldn't tell them I just I I couldn't because I just my my self-worth and esteem was just so so low I just like you can barely admit it to yourself Mm-hmm. you know so and you know and I know that they you know when I did tell people they wrapped their arms around me and they were so supportive and you know I'm forever grateful you know for them and and, and, I, and I still am um, but at the time I just I just couldn't because I just I thought my kids would get taken away from me I thought mm. I just had all these unhealthy thoughts in my head but that's what happens when we're so unwell mm. Mm. You know, I think there's just... such power when you tell someone external as well because yes. they're not a friend that has skin in the game. I don't know the other way to say it, but yeah, um, there's so, so much power in just telling someone that do- isn't invested in your personal mm-hmm. story and they don't know mm-hmm. Jared and they don't like they're just someone that yeah. can just see everything objectively and be like, yeah. oh shit, okay, yeah, no worries, mm-hmm. let's yeah, yeah so yeah, let's come up with a plan. Yeah. Um, and I so think you it's were, really important. Oh, sorry, keep going. No, you go. No, you go. You're well, fine. I just wanted to ask, so what did it look like once you you spent your five weeks at Belmont? What then did you just... I was really nervous to go home mm. um, because I felt safe. <laughs> I felt safe in the hospital. Um, but mm. I was, yeah, I was really nervous. So, so we were living in Bundaberg and Jared at the time was working like eight days on, six days off at the hospital. Um, so him and Flynn would come down on the six days that he had off and stayed with really beautiful friends of ours during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really scared to go home because I had done so much healing, but the hard work was ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like yeah. it was, you know, like I had come so far, but I was in hospital mm-hmm. and I was safe and I didn't have, you know, the, the routines of daily life. I didn't have to take care of Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was it was at Christmas time actually that I that I did come home, um, and we were meant to go up to Mackay for Christmas at that time. But I just I couldn't face I just I couldn't I couldn't go. Um, I, I just needed to be at home, and I remember the psychiatrist going, "Just be at home and just settle into you. You need to find mm-hmm. your feet." 
because um, I was due to go back to work soon. Um, and I just, you know, you continue to have, you know, um, phone outpatient appointments. Um, okay. But, yeah, I, I, a lot of hard work went into it. Um, and, and still to this day, you know, like I, we talk about fight, flight and freeze. I'll still get in, like, I'll get into my fight mode sometimes. I, I'm certainly not a perfect mother. And, and I, you know, honestly, I lose my shit some days as well. Um, you know it it doesn't but the difference is now is that I own my behavior you know Mm mummy's in the red zone I used my I didn't use my nice words I'm sorry I was feeling frustrated so you know I I pull myself up now and emotionally Um, does it do you um are you, do you cope with that better as well once you've you know hit your red zone instead of putting yourself down are you a bit more able to to be like oh yeah, so I, I think, um, yeah, I think I am certainly better at it at it now. I think something that I do really, really well is that I'll, I'll, I'll own it. Um, it, it. Look, it certainly doesn't happen much at all, but it, you know, like it, it does happen. Um, you know, I have five children now, so I feel, I feel quite stretched <laughs> some days. Um, but you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I let the notion, I let that notion go, and that we we don't have to be Mm -hmm. we don't have to be perfect and my experience of postnatal depression is very different to what someone else's is Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but I but I had when I got went home after Oliver I I reset everything felt new again I was seeing him in just a complete new set of eyes Mm -hmm. and I was like it was almost like having a really big newborn again really yeah. big newborn again if that makes sense like well, you had all those mm-hmm. bonding moments I guess to come yeah. right mm-hmm. and you know I, you can't minimize the impact of those first nine months of Oliver's life had on Flynn mm. you know like I had healing to do with Flynn as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah. I guess I have a question I guess because you felt huh. that way with Oliver right from the get-go Was there any like suggestion that you already had postnatal depression that you were sort of suffering from like post Flynn and then like the pregnancy because it was so like so immediate were you sort of already in that sort of state and then um Flynn Flynn does that make um, sense yes I agree I think that it possibly maybe wouldn't have got to the point that it did if I had see received treatment with Flynn um Mm -hmm. I, you know, like I was, you know, 28 going on 29 when I, when I had Flynn and I was the first one out of my close, um, you know, friendship circle to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Like I was the first one out of our group to have a baby. Um, you know, a, a, another close friend came soon after me, but we weren't living in the same town at the time. So, um, yeah, it was just a whole other new experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to be honest, you know, when we've been through trauma or experiences in our life, we suppress and we suppress and we suppress. And I found becoming a mother was a catalyst for just everything coming to a head. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, motherhood, you know, it, it, it can do that. Um, and yeah, I was so committed to not wanting to repeat cycles that I was just, I was, I was, I was in the cycle. I just, but I couldn't mm-hmm. see it if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I certainly, I felt down and, and, you know, I had really down days with Flinny, but it was nothing to what I had felt with Oliver. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. think that had I 
received help then it could have I don't know. I I I think I yeah, still would have you can never... it with Oliver, but I maybe would have had if I had got the professional help, I maybe would have had some strategies and mm. some insight. Um yeah, so I think yeah, it certainly could have maybe made a difference. Um and you know, if I, you know, hindsight if I, you know, when I first saw the psychologist after, you know, the first psychologist after Oliver, mm. you know, taking it for gospel, it's just some postnatal anxiety. It, it'll be right. Um, you, you know, if I had um, maybe it's sort of second opinion, would it have been different? I don't know. I, you yeah. just, you don't know, do you, hey? Like it's yeah. just, that was my lived experience at that point in time. Yeah. And with postnatal depression, like, forgive me for yeah. my ignorance, but is it no. something that you're then more likely? So do you have it always? Would you like, do you know what I mean? Um, yes, I do know what you mean. So Levi my yes I was going to ask like are you (laughs) prone to then have it with him or is it something you just always have anyway so I fell pregnant with Levi probably three months after I was discharged home wow um and I stayed on medication um and my experience with Levi was it was it was completely different so my experience with each child has been completely different. Um, mm. Did I feel depressed after I had Levi? I don't. I don't think I did. Yeah. Um, I had hard days, and and I had days where I just, I didn't want, you know, like it was it was it was just hard, you know, like being a mm-hmm. mother is hard. Um, yeah. You know, like he was a failure to thrive baby. He didn't put on weight. He had all these things mm-hmm. wrong with his mouth. And, um, you know, there was some really challenging, like the first six months with Oliver and with Levi, sorry, until we knew what was going on with his with his mouth um, mm-hmm. and why he wasn't putting on weight were really challenging. But I had the tools. Yeah, I had okay. learned ways to cope. I had l- learned the importance of self-care, mm-hmm. to take care of myself, to recognise when I wasn't okay and I had linked in with a really good psychologist at that point to just you know keep myself in in check so to speak um mm-hmm. so there's only there's just under two years between Oliver and and Levi mm-hmm. so I had them very close together what about your pregnancies with um so with Flynn you said it was cruisy pretty normal yep. Yep. Um, yep. What about Oliver and Levi, similar again, or were they all different? Yeah, yeah. Oliver was yep. huge. <laughs> um, he, it was fairly, it was not eventful really. Um, Levi, I think, you know, I, I required an iron infusion because yeah. you know, I had low iron. But other than that, like both Oliver and Levi's births were really um, straightforward, very quick. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I breastfed Oliver for two and a half years. Um, no, you know, uh, which was Levi. Huge. Sorry, I breastfed Levi, sorry. Levi. Um, two and a I was half like, years. you weren't pumping that one boob that no, long time. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I breastfed Levi. Yeah. And I so the wound, the, the trauma, the again. um no Oh like, yeah, the wound was there. Oh wow. The wound. Yep. Yep. I had the wound with the girls as well. Um wow. yeah, but Levi wouldn't take a bottle. <laughs> I just want a boob all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, Levi self-weaned at at two and a half years um Mm -hmm. I I think I I look back on it you know my you know how you know the 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 experience with Levi was so different but it's only different because of the help that I got with Ollie Mm -hmm. yeah 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 
Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I certainly didn't have um, postnatal depression to the, to the severity. Um, mm. I wouldn't even say that I felt depressed, to be honest. Like we can have bad days. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're depressed. I was still on antidepressant medication and seeing a psychologist and practicing self care and you know going to the beach, doing the things that I was loving, you know, loving to do making time for myself I was doing all of those things that I didn't do with Oliver so I had some Mm -hmm. really good strategies in place because as mothers like self-care is not selfish I think we we put the needs of everybody above our above our own needs and that's something that I've learned to to try and take care of me Mm -hmm. um you know positive affirmations about myself you know like I am strong you know like I I am a good mother, you know, worthy. I, I try my best, you know, I am worthy of love, you know, mm. it's because at the crux of it, you know, the crux of my trauma was like, I just didn't, I felt so unworthy of love. Mm. And that's where everything, you know, everything stemmed from for me is that I just never felt good enough for anybody or even myself. So I really had to work on that. And it's still something mm. that I work on to this day. Um, because when I'm triggered and it become reactive, it's when I don't feel heard or I don't feel worthy. Like I know mm-hmm. that that's my trigger. I didn't yeah, know that okay. back then, but yeah. I had to do a lot of work um, around that. Um, so I had the, you know, had the tools there. Um, and then I fell pregnant with the girls. <laughs> um, you know, felt, you know, found out I was pregnant. How old was Levi when you fell pregnant with the girls? Oh, he's four and a half now. Oh, so he would have been uh, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, yeah, three. Yeah. Two, two and a half, yeah. three. Two, no, no, three, three and a half three, going on three, four. Three, he's yeah. four and a half now. It goes to ten months. Um, yeah, yeah. So I found out I was pregnant, and then they said it was twins. I thought, oh god, I'm gonna have five children. So tell, pause, <laughs> and just tell me a little bit more about that. Is that it? You were at a scan, or was it? Did they notice because of your levels, or what? Um, so I, before I fell pregnant with the girls, I had a miscarriage. We, um, we decided that we wanted a fourth child. Um, I have to tell this story cause it's quite profound when I talk about the girls. So when mm. I was pregnant with Flynn, I knew that he was going to be a boy. I knew that Oliver was going to be a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the, when we fell pregnant, we found out and with Levi, we didn't, but when I was pregnant with Flynn, I had this dream and I was sitting on a swing and this beautiful little girl, she would have been about three or four, had this like red curly hair and she came up to me and was like, mummy, I can't wait to meet you. And I was 20 weeks pregnant with Flynn and I fell off the bed because <laughs> it was just, it was so real. So I just always had this, I'd always hoped, I just felt like my motherhood journey wasn't over. Like it just, I was so happy was with the boys you. and just so, and so, you know, like I'm so blessed that I'm able to, to have children. Like I'm so blessed, you know, and I, you know, and I was so happy with, with having three children, but I thought, I don't know, that dream always pulled me into thinking that it stuck with you. It really stuck with me. Mm. And so when, yeah, so I, I I had a miscarriage um, and we had been trying for a while um, and had a miscarriage. May I ask how far along you were with your miscarriage? I think it was about eight on, between eight and nine weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't need a DNC. It was a, it was, um, yeah, it was a natural, like, yeah, my, my body naturally did what it needed to do. Um, and then I just started working in emergency and I remember seeing somebody and I felt like I was going to be sick. 
and I was like, oh my goodness, um, I've got, I've got to go. And I was like to my boss, I'm like, I've got to go, I've got to go. I felt really unwell. And then I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, we're just going to take a blood test. Um, yeah, just, we'll just see what it is. And then I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And I was like, oh, but then they didn't know whether, you know, I did, I required a DNC. Um, okay. Because it was so soon after the, yeah. Yeah, the, the miscarriage. And they said, look, it will look at your HCG levels. Um, if it's above 27, like that would be indicative of a pregnancy. If it's below, then, you know, you may need a DNC. That's what the doctor said to me. The HCG, I remember this number was 3,842. Yeah, all right, so I'm passing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm passing. Um, and then I went for a scan and it was twins. So I found out very early on that, um, yeah, that I was having twins. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, wasn't expecting, wasn't expecting to have five children. I, I just, yeah, I don't know, four you know four I felt yeah maybe (laughs) but yeah five um and then I actually went into labor at 26 weeks um I went I was putting Levi to bed and then I was having these pains rang the maternity unit and they said oh look I think you need to come in you're a Mackay by now by then right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah when when did at what stage of the children were you did you come to Mackay um when Levi was 18 months old so 2018 yeah yeah um yeah, and I, they took a fetal fibrinectum test. I'd never heard of that before. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it tells you whether you're at risk or you are in sort of the preterm labour. Yeah. And I was, so I was flown to Townsville and they were able to stop it. I never felt as though the, I didn't they feel were as coming. though they were coming. No, I, never, I was mm-hmm. very calm. I just, you know, I felt like it was all these panic stations and everyone was like, you got to fly now. I'm like, I think I'm good like I I feel like everything's going to be okay Um, Mm. we knew that we were having girls at that point in time Mm -hmm. Um, but then I held on to Mm 37.3 and you were able to leave Townsville and come back to Mackay or did you spend that whole time in Townsville yeah Yeah, was able to come home after five days um, then had a couple of weeks off work went back to work till I was 31 weeks pregnant Mm -hmm. and then I yeah because I remember there being there was like some chat about whether you would need to be on bed rest for a, like a, yeah. a lot of it and yeah yeah that yeah. would have been Everyone's pretty like, pretty and rest. you're like oh no yeah just <laughs> put your feet up and how do you do that with three boys they're wild um, yeah but yeah so I, had I mean girl. to have you in Townsville on bed rest Jared yeah. at home with the three oh. boys <laughs> would have been yeah and trying crazy. to work <laughs> yeah and so they, happy I think- to have you back <laughs> Yeah, and I think you like once you hit the 32 week mark, you can have the babies in Mackay. So, okay. worst case scenario would have been staying there till you were 32 weeks. But yeah. yeah, you know, after a series of tests and scans and all of that stuff, I was able, I was yeah, deemed safe to come home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really good because it's just sort of I needed to prepare emotionally and mentally for having twins and. Mm-hmm. having five children um so I started seeing a psychologist in preparation for having um five children mm-hmm. you know just you know just getting that support um because I I felt like I'd I felt like it it, it might sort of be the tipping point for me again I just okay. didn't know how mm-hmm. it was um how it was going to go um well, I guess you never really know how it was going to go but the thought of five children really you thought I need to prepare Mm -hmm. I need to prepare this is a risk yeah Yeah. and then yeah just asking about your psychologist I guess having had that experience where I guess you're a little bit 
dismissed when you were mm. in the dark days with Oliver is yeah how do you think have you tried multiple psychologists to find one that you had a good relationship with or yeah well I was living in different towns yeah living in different mm. towns so with Levi we were in the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. um we moved there after he was six weeks old um you know with Oliver I was in Bundaberg um mm-hmm. and with the girls I was in yeah Mackay so I was really lucky to find someone really lovely um mm-hmm. um yeah and felt felt comfortable I didn't I didn't go mm-hmm. many times I just you know I just it was I just really needed to just just talk it through because the pregnancy was really hard mm-hmm. um and it was taxing physically and and mentally you know the boys like our boys are wild and I love it mm-hmm. like they're crazy they're wild they're you know that's one of the things that you just love about them you know they're just free spirits and they just want mummy 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 and I just had nothing to give because I was just so exhausted (laughs) so I was finding that balancing act really hard before Mm -hmm. the girls had arrived yeah and I was Mm -hmm. feeling quite overwhelmed so I'm like okay so what am I going to do to to help with this and I Mm -hmm. my patience was I was getting to that I was really impatient and and reactive again because I was just I had nothing left in my tank mm-hmm. to give. Your resilience um, was down. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, yeah, it was down. Um, but, yeah, so the the girls the girls were born and um, just to add, you know, another thing, um, five days after they were born, I remember I was sitting there trying to establish breastfeeding. So our girls' names are Lucy and Ella. Mm-hmm. And I was feeding Lucy and I was... Um, having a drink of water and I couldn't coordinate the swallow I started to choke and then the left side of my face went numb um, and all droopy so we had to rush to hospital and I had this really bad pain behind my ear so I, th- I thought I was having a stroke mm-hmm. um, and my limbs weren't affected so Jared's doing his physio thing and checking mm-hmm. me all out very calm. squeeze my hand yeah doing, doing can you neuro. feel this can you feel this yeah yeah um and I was diagnosed with Bell's palsy um and can you tell us just and, a little bit more about Bell's palsy yeah so you have to help me Caitlin uh, but it's um it, it was a paralysis of my face and it can be caused um by a number of things like you can like your immune system can be down um like shingles can be mm-hmm. um you know, an indicator for it. It can be through stress, um, mm-hmm. but it, it it can happen during and after pregnancy as well. Like it, okay, the, women do experience experience it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it can be you know like eclampsia after you know like you have preeclampsia and you have eclampsia after the babies are born. Um, mm-hmm. So they tested me to make sure that I didn't have shingles or any other infections, um, and it was just one of those things I had Bell's palsy so went Mm -hmm. home um and then five days after that the right side of my face um became paralyzed and the pain yeah after the right side went my head literally felt like it was going to explode I can't even explain Mm -hmm. the pain my mum was here at the time and I thought I was having a stroke at that point I Mm -hmm. remember going into triage and they took me straight to where they take um, people with suspected strokes. Um, it wasn't that. I had MRIs um, that concluded that it was um, Bell's palsy. It was just a really um, severe case of Bell's palsy. How long after was the second one? So it was 10 so, days after the girls 10. were born. So there was five days. So the first 
when the was the left side went was five days five and then days. Mm-hmm. five, five days again after on that, that the right side mm-hmm. went um yeah so I couldn't eat I couldn't talk I found it really hard to drink I couldn't shut my eyes oh my mm. goodness I didn't even think of that it's like mm. yeah so can someone close your eyes for you to wear eye patches. Is that a dumb question? Oh, yeah, okay. That's no, cool. no, Jared would come around like I'd be asleep and he'd like go down and like put my eyes. Oh, like, my wow. God. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> I did not right even side. ever think of that. No, not for a while. So the right side resolved really quickly, <sighs> like within a week. Um, the left didn't. Um, mm-hmm. It's still not properly resolved. Um, but, yeah, so after the girls. So your left still isn't resolved. It. You, I have resi- I have permanent residual deficits from right because I can't tell I can't tell from the video yeah. at the moment I ha- I've seen photos yeah. um from when I think only mm. one side um yeah so I do know what you're saying how it was yeah it's um really it's really noticeable when I'm tired like I've done I've done like outpatient rehab with speech pathology to work on the muscles again and I've certainly got some feeling back but I still can't feel the um left side of my face properly like my left eye is still a bit droopy and if mm-hmm. I'm really tired like I was <laughs> my sister came over last night and we were having dinner and I was just so tired and the food fell out of my mouth like it, it just yeah like it'll it'll impact but yeah that's I just, just love that you're laughing about that you're like oh, oh what do you do was Jenna like so, can you eat your food Mel <laughs> oh, we just laugh about it like what do you, you know like but at the time that it happened it was really traumatic because I wanted to get these when the girls were born like I wanted these beautiful newborn photos and mm. I wanted to be part of that and I just couldn't yeah. um and for like probably eight weeks after the Bell's palsy I remember like I took the steroid and I had to go on endone for um the pain and I remember at three o'clock every morning like it felt like my left ear and like neck were just going to explode. It was really, um, it was really painful. Um, so yeah, so you'd done all this preparation with psychology to, you know, you, you don't prepare and it just wasn't like, again, with every child, like it just, you just, you just never know what you're going to get really do you or what your experiences. Mm. And so how be. did you cope with, with having the Bell's palsy come on, I mean, yeah. did it trigger yeah, anything really, again for you or? Yeah, it did. I was really, I, I just remember like two, like, cause the, like a couple of days after the, for, like the first onset, like the symptoms got a lot worse. So okay. I remember Jared made me scrambled eggs and I like had a fork and I couldn't put it in my mouth. And then mm-hmm. I tried a little spoon and it just all fell out. And the, I just remember the plate dropping you know, because I couldn't see the plate. I tried to put the plate down and I couldn't see where I was meant to put the plate mm. and it just fell. Um, and I just I just burst into, like, I was just so mm. distraught and so upset um, because it was really hard when you can't see properly and, like, to you know, when you're, you're trying to establish breastfeeding and you're looking down to try and yeah. get that attachment, yeah. I couldn't look down because of the pain and I, and I couldn't see properly. Mm. Mm. Um and so before the girls were born, I was like, fed is best. It is absolutely okay. Mm. Um, and I made and I made the decision very quickly after the Bell's palsy. I went, I'm going to pump and I'm going, you know, they're going to get my breast milk for as long as I can do it and I'm going to pump and I'm going to bottle feed because that's what I need to do yeah. because mm-hmm. I need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I had, you know, like I, I needed to have that sort of that that cry and, and get it all out. And that's okay. Like I felt really, I felt better after I, I did you that. You overcome that suppressing thing that mm. you were saying was yeah. a theme in your yeah. life. Yeah. I'm feeling, you know, and I remember going, I'm feeling really angry that this has happened to me. I'm really sad mm. that I'm trying, like I wanted to try and establish breastfeeding and, you know, this hasn't happened, but that's okay. You know, I've been through much worse. I will get through this. Um, but I just need to have a cry because this is how I'm feeling right now. And the mm-hmm. fact that I could do that, I was like, wow. Just how far working I through yeah. your emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and I've only just stopped. The girls are nearly 10 months and I've only just stopped pumping. So I'm pretty bloody proud of that. Yeah, effort. holy wow. dooly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving so I'm just you a big pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. Yeah, I just made that decision where I went, okay, I'm 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 done now. I I need mm-hmm. me mm. back. Um it's really hard to wean when you're exclusively pumping. <laughs> Gave myself mastitis a few times. Um yeah. but yeah, we've 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 done that and like I pumped, you know, for and I fed two babies. Like that's pretty bloody cool. That's insane, mate. It boggles yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I just so think about breastfeeding one of my kids at once, and oh, I was it's like, so hard. It and it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And mm. I think you know, and and motherhood doesn't come naturally to everybody no. as well. Like, yeah, something I was talking to a client the other day about. She was saying that she was, yeah, she was really struggling, and mm. maybe her baby was three or four months old. And yeah. I was like, it's it is hard. And she's it's, like, so, it's yeah, the hardest it thing that we And do. so I just think being able to say to someone it's hard. And, and she's like, I just didn't realize it would be that hard because no one no. really, I guess, prepare, prepares you for, for the challenges that come with it. Like it is really, really fucking hard sometimes, yeah. you yeah. know. And, I, and, and, you know, I think, you know, you know, I know I'm guilty of it. You know, we only you know, when we, we're sharing things, you know, we, mm. we only share the highlights, but yeah, we've got to share this. We've got to share the struggles as well. And I guess yeah. that's why I wanted to come, you know, I felt yeah. honored to be part of the podcast because um, I think in terms of education and awareness about postnatal depression and, you know, and it's, it's so much better than what it was six years ago, but we need to normalize mm to normalize that it doesn't always come naturally that it is really hard and I think that Mm. when we become mothers I don't I don't know how you guys felt but like I felt as though my identity changed every time yeah Yeah. and Mm. like you know and we're we're completely you know for me you know I'm nearly 38 I'm so much I'm I'm a completely different person to what I was in my Mm. 20s um but you know we grow and I think it's really like you grieve that life that you once had. Yeah, you, you yeah absolutely. Freedoms, you grieve the spontaneity, mm. and you just you just grieve. Yeah, you just you just grieve, and it's and it's hard. Yeah, um, and it's, it's okay a whole to transition. Feel like that. Yeah, and it doesn't make you a bad mother. Yeah, but, you know, some days I wake up still, and I'm like, oh, I'm so slack to do this today. Like I just <laughs> I don't want a mum. Like yeah. you know, you can hear the whinging. You know, you can hear yeah. the whinging. Mm-hmm. As, as the as the kids are coming down the corridor and you just yeah you just don't want to deal sometimes mm. you just want to wake up in your own time not to, yes. it makes know, me think of the, 
on there's a um do you say meme or mem whatever it is on Facebook there's this photo <laughs> yeah and me and my girl my good girlfriend Angie I tagged her in and, I, and every time we catch up I pretty much laugh about it but it's a photo of Ben Affleck and he's like standing out the front of what yes, looks like his cigarette. home yeah. and he's got a cigarette like down there is hip and he's looking up and, and the the words are ready for another day of unconditional love and I'm just like yeah. that is the vibe some days isn't it where you're just like yeah. fucking right oh yeah. <laughs> all right let's do this <laughs> we, we're not perfect like we're human and I think that that's okay um for a you know like a kid like owning our owning our behavior and I can do that more you know like my conversation with Flynn will be so much different to what my conversation with Levi yeah would be you know so to speak you know you it's got to be age appropriate but yeah. you know like for me like talking about your feelings with kids you know like before the kids go to bed at night tell me three things that made them feel happy today yeah. and I remember Flynn's like mum I got tuck shop and my garlic bread wasn't cold I'm like that's amazing <laughs> and then other, you know and other times it'll be oh my friend said something and it hurt my feelings and I told him that I didn't like it but I felt good because now he knows how I feel and I'm yeah. like holy shit like you're capable you know, of so like, much and your little brain aren't we yeah and oh. I guess through my experience with Oliver you know and for me like suppressing my emotions and feelings I don't want my children to do that like yeah. I want to create mm-hmm. a healthy dialogue where we do talk about yeah how we mm-hmm. how we feel um you know and when we are in the red zone um mm-hmm. you know and you know, I still, you know, oh God, I'm not perfect. Nobody is, but you know, I still find myself like, I, you know, I still have days where I lose my shit and I yell, but you know, like, and Flynn will go, mommy, you were in the red zone. I'm like, yeah, I was in the red zone. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, like to have that, to have that dialogue as well, you know, yeah. just opening that door to like communicating how you're feeling and that yeah. it's okay. Awareness, labeling it. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can break generational trauma cycles you can you can create you can create you know new ways of thinking and expressing your feelings with your family and I think that's really powerful so if I can pass on any message like that's you know that we we can do that and for me it was like understanding my trauma triggers like when am I triggered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and and is that something that helped you is that something you learned in your time at Belmont and then you've just gone on to continue an awareness of that still learning about it yeah I'm actually at the moment doing um an understanding trauma online course and Mm -hmm. I there's six modules in it and I'm up to the fifth module and sometimes you know like I'm listening to it and I have to stop it and you know you have an aha moment so I'm still learning stuff about myself you know I've Mm -hmm. you know I journal you know the 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 power of journaling for me that works yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I've just I was journaling for a bit and then I stopped and then I thought mm, yeah I'm struggling a bit here. Um, I need to start journaling. So probably in the last month I've started to do that again and I found yeah. that really powerful. Um, Out- and, you know, it's just an outlet and then you go back and mm. read it and you're like wow and it felt to me that it feels better to like I feel better after doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you know having those strategies you know like if I'm having a bad day I'll go for a run or I'll go to the beach you know, you'll make that time for you. It's harder with five kids. It's so much harder, you know. But you prioritise it. Yeah, some days I do it really well. And if I haven't done it for a few days, I'll feel it. Mm -hmm. And I'll check myself and go, all right, what do we need to do? Yeah. Um, You know, a really close friend of mine, like we went to, um, you know, the full moon yoga 
mm. with with Caitlin on Friday yeah. and I've always wanted to do yoga properly and it was so lovely just to just to do that and make some time mm-hmm. I was really sore the next day but <laughs> you know like it was it was really it was really good you know like and just you know focusing on yourself and as mothers and women we just we need to do that mm-hmm. yeah, and we've got more to more to give our kids because we're filling oh, ourselves yeah. up more to nourish yourself and yeah. enjoy your yeah. life rather than just having yeah. to live through yeah. um your family as well hey Mel yeah. with postnatal depression you also yeah. said postnatal disorder is that is it the same thing yeah like so it was a postnatal disorders unit so you know like oh okay yeah cool part of depression anxiety and there's psychosis as well so okay I didn't know that okay and with postnatal depression and I guess the other two as well I I Mm. assume there's because you said you had you scored and you were severe there's a scale right so um I, I guess the yeah sorry the survey that I did that was just an indicator of you know like um, you know, you can do surveys and it's sort of, it's indicative of that you have, you know, a depression. So that, that, the questionnaire that I did, didn't diagnose me with severe postnatal yeah. depression. The psychiatrist did. Yeah. Because it was, because at my worst, I didn't want to be here. Um, mm-hmm. And if I yeah. didn't go to hospital, I don't know whether I would be here. Mm-hmm. So well, in a sense, you know, like it, it saved my life. Mm-hmm. It really, really did. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was where I got to, um, you know, depression can look different for every individual. I think you can't, it's not a one size. Yeah. Fits, fits so that's um, what I was trying to understand for someone that thinks, oh shit, do I have some postnatal depression mm-hmm. traits or, you know, mm-hmm. if they're resonating with, with some of these things, like at mm-hmm. what, like, should you always, when you're starting to feel that, do you, should mm-hmm. you chat to someone who do you like, at what point do you think I need to do something about this? Yeah, I think, you know, if it's really, it's being honest with yourself and going, you know, I'm not feeling okay. And, and, you know, it's, I know, you know, we say it a lot, but it's okay not to feel okay. Um, You know, postnatal depression, like for me, it like, I just had no attachment to Oliver. I just, I thought my husband was having an affair. I had Mm. no self-worth. I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I was unworthy. You know, some women with postnatal depression can feel very attached to their baby and are, and are anxious with day-to-day activities, okay. and it's more to do with them as well. So it's not, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So yeah. a really good resource um, is the Panda, um, the Panda mm-hmm. website. Um, so that's panda.org.au, mm-hmm. and Panda stands for the Perinatal Anxiety and Depression um, Australia, um, and it supports, you know men men women and families because men can get postnatal depression as well okay so one in one in ten men can get postnatal depression and one in five women um can experience postnatal depression so the statistics are really really high yeah that Um, one in ten men considering i i don't know if i was consciously even aware or considering Mm. that to be honest yeah yeah so it does it's not something that um, impacts mums because you, you know we talk about you know the changes for women you know but you know dads go through really big changes yeah, as well yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I, Panda's got a like a wonderful um, resource you know like a wonderful website like it's a good starting point you know going to talking to your GP you know talking to your child health nurse as well mm. you know the midwives you know the 
they do screens as well. Like I, after having the twins, I, I have I've had so many screens, um, you know. But the difference I have now is that if I'm not feeling okay, I know it's okay to say something. So it's very easy mm-hmm. for me to say you just need to go and speak to somebody. But I know what it feels like when you don't want to, mm-hmm. as well. So you know, talking to your GP. You know, like we've got. You're not an after hours mental health service, you know, linked in with the hospital. If it's a real crisis, you have Lifeline. You know, there's a there's a wealth of um, resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they say, they say, you know, like we we all experience baby blues. You know, like after our babies are born, you know, we have hormonal changes and we, you know, it's okay to have a big cry. I think they say, and again, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an expert, but often with depression if you're feeling you know pretty lousy within yourself for a period longer than two weeks it's good mm-hmm. to sort of seek that professional help then mm-hmm. um yeah so it's just checking in with yourself you know like if you can confide in a friend you know you know lots of people can have postnatal depression and um you know and can get through it with their informal supports you know and and you know developing self-care strategies you know there's just such a spectrum of it um Mm -hmm. and it's just not a one-size-fits-all you know what I've spoken about today is my journey Mm -hmm. and and how it you know what it looked like for me Mm -hmm. but doesn't mean it's going to be the same for everybody and I wanted to ask about coming back to Mackay are you staying here now that you know of do you plan to be I think We've moved a lot over the years. I think. Um, What's I triggered your moves? Uh, work. Yeah. Opportunities. Yeah. Um, we moved back to Mackay to be closer to, to family. We moved. We were in the Sunshine Coast, and that was always a place that we wanted to go, and we and we loved it there. Um, but we were missing. We had, you know, wonderful friendship connections, but we were missing that family connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I didn't, I don't think I ever thought I would move back to Mackay, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad that we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you, we had wonderful connections here, but just the new connections that we've made as well. I love meeting oh, new cool. people and, and you know, um, yeah, creating new connections with with women and been very in in being able to move. The, you know the times that we've had just made some wonderful friendships there you know that are a are, are lasting and it's been a, I think a surprise moving back was the new connections that we made as well yeah. um yeah it's it's been it's been lovely I'm glad that we've made the move um Jared's parents are amazing and to see the relationship that the kids have with them mm. is beautiful mm. like that's mm. that, like that's invaluable um mm. So, you know, and, 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 you know, my family's here as well. My sister's here, my dad's here. Um, so it's just been really nice to reconnect after being away for a, yeah. for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think we're here for a while. Yeah. I'm resonating so. with so much of, so much of that having yeah, moved yeah. back a year ago and I'm resonating with a lot of, a lot of yeah. shed, definitely. Yeah. I get itchy for change. Um, I just, I don't know why I do. But You'd be so used it was, to it having moved a lot. Yeah. You're, you're yeah ready for your cycle. It, yeah. But I think, yeah, I remember when I was listening to your, you know, your, the, the first podcast when you were talking about your friendships and what you've done and you moved mm. and the connections that you've made. I really resonated with that. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, being in Mackay was for, for me was an unexpected sort of 
place that we ended up mm-hmm. but so lovely that we did mm-hmm. yeah it feels yeah. really nice just to like yeah. give into it and be like oh actually this is great yeah I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't yeah. expecting it and then you're like oh I think the experience with the girls even though it's been really really hard it's made all the difference having the support that we have here mm-hmm. yeah yeah like I don't think that we would get through like some days are really hard like it's just, it's just, just mad like it's just madness and and you know you feel stretched and and you know it's really hard to spread your time between five kids but when you've got that extended family to help wrap themselves around the older kids you know that they're not missing out when you're mm-hmm. spent sometimes yeah and they get um, these beautiful bonds with them because there's oh, opportunity they do. yeah you know the boys are out Winton with their grandparents for the school holidays going on an outback adventure you know like that's it's so cool like they yeah yeah so we're very very lucky and I think it's it's been hard having five children but it's it's a lot easier with the support that we have so Mm -hmm. you can't Mm. yeah it's just so valuable I have just like I've been on such a wave with your story and I've I've resonated (laughs) with so much as well you know like like you were, you you've shared about how you were feeling at times and there's definitely times where I've felt like that and when we then we're talking about that loss of identity you know Lara was mm-hmm. six months old and I had a, a phase of really being like is this it for me is this all I do yeah. and yeah. really coming out of that you know within a couple of weeks and moving through that but completely resonating with so much you've said mm-hmm. and I guess um, then you made the point at the end there that it's like, well, if you're experiencing something for more than a couple of weeks, it's, you probably mm-hmm. need to address it. Whereas a lot of mine yeah. have come up and I've, and I've moved through them. Mm. So I think it's important that it's shared because otherwise maybe mm. I wouldn't have realized, oh yeah, okay, that mm-hmm. is normal. And so yeah. when someone else mentions it to me now, I know, okay. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that's been yeah. really powerful as well. Yeah. But hearing yeah. about all your different journeys with your children throughout it it's just been incredible mm. I've learned and it I've made, learned so much yeah it's it's hard because you know like this story you know when people hear this it, it, it could be it could be triggering so I just I can't emphasize enough like this is my individual journey yeah. mm-hmm. and 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 story I'm by no means an expert on postnatal depression I'm I'm an expert in my experience mm-hmm. you know it's my it's my You've lived experience mm. yeah yeah um, you know, like when we talk about identity, I'm, you know, like at the moment, I'm like, who am I? I have five children. Like I'm, I'm working out on figuring who, figuring out who I am at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, like it's just changed so much again. Like you think yeah, you've got a grasp versions it and then of you, yourself, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You can't. You don't have the time that you would you previously had. You, mm. Yeah, some days you don't get out of the house because the girls yeah. don't sleep at the same time. You know, they're their own little individuals. They're not one person. They're two little unique little, yeah. you know, yeah. little beauties. So, yeah, I'm, I miss my old life sometimes. I miss the freedom. Um, mm-hmm. But I had the hindsight, like, this is just a moment in time. Um, yeah. And I will figure out who I am, you know, again. You know, it's just a bit of a journey that I'm on. Um, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, through, if we heal ourselves, you know, if we can heal from trauma, um, mm-hmm. it makes a difference for our children and then our children's children like it's so powerful and the level of how you can experience your life is completely Mm. different as well like you could have Mm. continued on and had no more children after Flynn but you would have never deep dived into these 
these other yeah. levels of yourself to then no, feel the no. way you feel and experience you know mm. that when you're sharing about how you felt when you saw um um Oliver Crawl for the first time mm. like yeah to the guitar was like, it was so cool yeah oh. Yeah. yeah, no, and it was, and like to just see him, like I can look back on photos of Oliver when he was younger and like I'm just like, holy shit, I have no recollection of that. Yeah, wow. um, you know, and, you know, you know, I've, you know, I've, you know, some of my friends, you know, have, have experienced postnatal depression to some degree and, you know, like we check in on each other and we have really honest conversations, you know, like and they're honest, um, you know, and I can have those honest conversations and if I can help a friend, you know, or, or just in passing having a conversation with another woman about, you know, how they're feeling, mm. like it's, it's just changed the way that I support my friends who, yeah. mm-hmm. who yeah. become mothers because, yeah, and the power of being open, but then also understanding if people don't want to talk as well because I get that also. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just telling your friend, you know, like, if someone's not okay, I'll say, look, you seem a little bit off. Like, it's okay if you don't want to talk, but please know that I'm here. They come to mm-hmm. me great. If they don't, that's okay as well. Yeah. But just sort of opening the dialogue. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's made it made me a better better mum, so to speak, a better friend, a better partner. Like, because yeah, I just addressed so much that was impacting my life. It just came to a head when I became a mother for the second time. That's just mm-hmm. when everything to me just reached reached its catalyst. Mm-hmm. you know and I was still quite young then because um, in the trauma workshop that I'm doing they talk about you know when we're young and we're having all these new experiences you know like we're just in the moment and it's often when life sort of slows down and we go through a significant shift that trauma can mm-hmm. sort yeah. of make ahead for some yeah. people mm-hmm. I was like yeah that's what happened to me yeah you know mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah I definitely think having having Cooper has been a huge catalyst for me to one learn how to look after myself because yeah. you just have to there's just no uh, before I would have just kept going grinding grinding yeah. but yeah you just can't wear yourself down that much no. it, it just you can't yeah you can't function if you're not if you mm. don't look after yourself so I, I think yeah. I that's just a constant learning for me mm. I think I think I'm always yeah. re-pulling myself back up again yeah um, yeah yeah and just rechecking able to in do that. yeah mm. that's such a powerful thing that we can do Mm. as women but also as mothers like just checking in with yourself and Mm. when we're not okay um and just you know mum's guilt you know like oh I should have everything you know I should be all of these things and be on top of things but you know we we can't be all the time and that's okay it's okay um yeah thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey I really see it as a journey like I see the different chapters and the different elements and the different learnings and yeah yeah it's really um still going um so thank you so much for sharing your journey thus far into motherhood thank you for having me oh it's been a pleasure mel thank you so much for joining us for today's episode for me personally i related to so much of the content on a way that I can understand. I relate to the the thoughts and the feelings that Mel had, which then obviously spiraled out into um, her postnatal depression. So for me, it was completely relatable. And then when we were talking about trauma triggers, um, for me as well, I was like, oh, I feel like that's something I need to go away and really look at in my own life. So a few light bulbs have gone off for me. Um, 
not postnatal depression linked, but in other ways that I was like, mm. oh, she's really learned so much through this experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have a lot to gain from her having shared that with us. And I also feel so grateful because now if a friend or someone were to tell me that they think they have postnatal or they have had it or they you know, are worried about it, I feel like I understand more about it. I know Mel's journey is unique and everyone's journey with it is unique, but I feel like I have a bit more of an insight to it. And instead of reacting in a, oh, I'm frightened to, to support you or hear you on this in a way that just, okay, no worries, talk to me, what do you need? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the lids kind of come off it for me now mm -hmm. in, my, in my world because Mel's shared with us in that way. Um, but yeah, just really grateful. What do you think, Kate? I think everything you just said just resonates so deeply. And I just thank Mel so much for finding the courage and digging deep and, and really just putting it out there mm -hmm. so that we can all have a better understanding and yeah. know that if someone reaches out, they just need someone to talk to and just to just that point of contact if it's the first person they're speaking to just allowing it and yeah just asking what they need and yes thank you so much for joining us Mel yeah